I'm Stephen, he's Chris, and this is Mobile Arcade Club, a show where we delve into Apple Arcade games, new and old, and share our thoughts and critique. Coming up on this episode, we climb the ranks of the league in King's League 2. Hello and welcome to episode 26 of the Mobile Arcade Club. In this episode, we're covering King's League 2 by Kurechi, based in Malaysia. And I do hope I pronounced that correctly. I do apologise profusely if I butchered that, which is highly likely. But this is an interesting game, Stephen, and I think we've both had a similarly intriguing time with it. It's uh, sort of a part management, part strategy, part sort of financial you know, resource management uh, type of game. So there's, there's a few different elements going for King's League 2. Yeah, it's interesting. There's there's so much system or so many systems going on that it gradually introduces to you that I almost found it a bit overwhelming. But uh, we'll get mm. to that a little bit later, I suspect. But I did find you know, a tiny little bit of history that I found interesting. It's it's a series that started out as a Flash game online. So, gosh, it's been a long time since I played a Flash game. But goodness me, in high school, that was all I played for a while. They were so there were so many interesting and creative things going up in Flash and. You know, this was supposedly a fairly big one that was probably after my time. Uh, the original Kings League came to mobile, and here we have Kings League 2 on Apple Arcade. Yeah, and one thing I'm interested in is that there are two main modes, including a story and a classic mode. I actually only had time to play a bit of story, so I didn't uh, play any of classics. So I'll get your thoughts on that in a second, Stephen. But with the story mode... Uh, it sort of, the start of it reminded me a little bit of Fire Emblem Three Houses, which is the most recent one on Nintendo Switch, because you prompted to choose one of three leaders to sort of assume the role of their uh, their team, um, which, you know, made me feel, uh, you know, think of the, the three houses, uh, you know, led by Edelgard, Claude, and Dimitri in Fire Emblem. But uh, here you've got... Um, uh, you've got uh, a few different characters, but of course, I, I went for the the Princess Z- uh, Zelda-looking character in Cellar, who I believe is Bay, um, and <laughs> yeah, followed uh, followed her story. And it looks like you follow a character's particular narrative arc, which I I didn't play it all the way through. But I'm curious, Stephen, did you pick Seller or did you pick uh, another character? Who did you go with? I went with Seller as well, purely because it seemed like Maxwell was the the default option, I guess. And so Mm -hmm. for that reason and no reason otherwise, I was like, I'm going to go with the other one because they probably got a more interesting story than the son of a guildmaster or whatever ended up being Maxwell's story. And mm. yeah, I didn't quite pick up the Zelda um, resemblance, but you're spot on. That she totally does have that Zelda nostalgia, not nostalgia, that Zelda vibe going on. Well, I suppose there's that many different depictions of Zelda over the years. You can probably <laughs> yeah. pick one of the iterations and sort of be like, well, if I squint and tilt my head sideways, maybe it looks a bit like her. <laughs> but yeah, the um, the interesting thing I found with uh, starting off the story mode of King's League Two was that. Uh, you've got two characters that are available now, uh, but there's also one that was listed as coming soon as uh, Ivo or Evo. I'm not sure how they're pronounced, but uh, so another character with another story and no doubt uh, their own specialties. But one thing that I 
didn't really like about this initial selection, uh, starting off the story, was that other than a, a brief biography of each leader giving you a little bit of narrative context on who they are and what they're fighting for, there's not a lot of other information to base your decision off. Uh, so when I was making this initial decision, I was wondering, okay, are there gameplay differences or you know, are there story variations? You know, Is it just uh, an avatar that plays with the same story or is you know, mainly cosmetic, but once I started playing, it did seem like there were tangible differences because Sella is a is a songstress. She uh, uses a uh, a bow and arrow, uh, so she's a bit of an archer, you know, ranged unit. And it did seem like there was a story that was very unique to her that you couldn't just swap out with another character. So um, I, I didn't like that there wasn't much information to go off early, but. For those listening, and if you're interested in playing Kings League 2, uh, then know that there are you know some tangible uh, differences between the characters. Yeah, I would imagine it's probably an entirely different story. I don't know if the actual sort of path of the game is overall different, but each character has their own you know, quest of how they're getting to that endpoint. So the storyline's probably worth playing through each way. I found I was actually doing a little bit of research and reading some early reviews of this game from when it first came out because mm-hmm. a trend I've noticed is we, we've seen that games have been progressively added to over time, especially on Apple Arcade. And mm. in this case, it looks like to begin with, Maxwell was the only story character that was available. So Seller has only right. been added at some point between launch and now. And so it's nice to have that second choice. Um, but yeah, yeah I, I found it quite interesting that it didn't give you a whole lot to go on. I guess your comparison to uh, Fire Emblem is quite apt because not that I've played it, but I'm very aware of how it begins. It gives you a whole sort of introductory act, letting you get to know all of the characters and houses that mm. are as part of the overall story before it makes you decide which one will you pledge allegiance to. Whereas here yeah. it was just more like, as you say, a short bio, here's your character, which one Which one do you want? We won't really tell yeah. you what it means, but just, just choose one. But um, yeah, I, I, I don't think it's a, it's a major issue, but it's yeah, something I, it would have been nice, even if it told you, you know, they fight with different weapons or something, it would have been nice to know that ahead of time so you know what tangible difference it's going to make on your gameplay upcoming. Yeah, and I I agree. I I don't think it's it's a major issue, but there's there's a reason that I I do sort of fixate on it a little bit is that it sort of ties into some of the thoughts and things that I've written about in the past about accessibility and difficulty in terms of how important it is to adequately inform players so that they can make informed decisions about the way that they enter a game and play and interact and, uh, you know, have those interactions with the game. Uh, because with, with Kings League 2, it's, as as you say, uh, it appears that Seller was added in a post-launch update. So it looks like there was only the one character to start off with, um, which, you know, it does sort of change the approach a bit. But I feel like with Seller and with this third character coming in a future update, I'd like to see sort of further information, uh, you know, be available at the start so players can sort of make that informed decision right at the beginning because perhaps someone may not enjoy playing as an archer and they think, oh, oh, Sela, she's cute, I'll pick her, um, and then realise, oh, no, I don't like the way she plays at all. And that's their first experience of Kings League 2 and it's one that 
has uh, been a negative for them, and then you know perhaps that could have been avoided or sort of uh, expectations sort of set if there was you know sort of uh, more information available from the get-go one thing i'll say on that though for and you've just jogged my memory i do remember that did give some information not so much on the play style but i Mm. i remember it mentioned that seller might be a more appropriate to beginners one to choose and i think maxwell was Ah. sort of a standard difficulty or something along those lines so actually that's probably why i chose seller because i was like i have no idea what i'm doing let me choose easy mode for want of a better word or the the Mm. one more open to to beginners so there is that level of challenge that is uh communicated there but exactly what that challenge involves isn't really stated so yeah definitely don't disagree with what you're saying there yeah but of course enough on that and into the gameplay the there's as we've said there's quite a few different elements to to king's league too but it starts off yeah, but it starts off with there's there's plenty of story, there's plenty of dialogue between characters, uh, and of which is very lovely, uh, you know, beautifully designed and really lovely animations and that sort of stuff. These these character designs they're they're really really good. I've really vibed with them, mm. um, and and the environments as well, really bright and vibrant. Which I feel like I say that every second episode, but it's just so true of so many of these games. Yeah, when you're not wrong, you're not wrong. Yeah, well, I, I, yeah, I'll, I'll happily take take the backing from you. So, the, um, but yeah, so aside from the the story uh, playing out, which for for Sella, she's um, sort of trying to rebound off of a, a failed bid to become a traveling performer, and she, you know, encounters uh, an invite to the King's League to participate in this tournament and, you know, potentially, you know, be granted an audience with the King. And then she's like, this will be a way to, you know, be, uh, you know, become a a well-known famous performer, murder people in a a tournament. Um, So. (laughs) It never, what could go wrong? No, nothing at all. So (laughs) yeah, then uh, she, you know, begins by recruiting some, you know, basic sort of infantry units. And then you're, thrown into battle early on which Stephen takes it's largely an auto battler isn't it it is yeah you really you you do need to do some initial setup so you'll have an initial group of three units that you can put down and that gradually increases to up to five at least so far as I've played and you Mm. choose where they are initially placed in formation so who's at the front who's at the back I typically went for you know ranged people at the back some heavy defenders at the front and some other ones in the middle depending on the situation Mm. Uh, and yeah you just sort of put them down at one side, your enemies are all at the other end, and they just kind of run at each other doing what their particular class of character is going to do. So shoot mm. shoot arrows, fire magic, maybe you know just lunging forward, things like that. Uh, and they just keep sort of running at each other until somebody wins. But it's not quite as simple as that, as that because you've also got these... Uh, I guess time-gated abilities that you can activate every now mm. and then to try and turn the tide a little bit, and that will be dependent on you know each of the different classes has their own abilities, uh, and so that could be something from just a very powerful projectile from an archer, or one that I found super super useful and often really did turn the tide of battle is your heavily armored 
people can do a sort of a heavy charge and push straight through some defenders and get right into those squishy uh, ranged attackers right at the back. Mm. And that just absolutely overwhelmed them sometimes or overwhelmed me when it happened to me. It's uh, It can happen. But yeah, though, it really took what looked to be a fairly passive hands-off combat style into something where it's not as hands-off as it looks. You just need to be assessing mm. the situation and deciding when to use these potentially uh, tide-turning abilities to turn the tide in your favour. Yeah, absolutely. And I particularly like Sella's you know, uh, ability uh, where she would fire a, a particularly damaging arrow that with every ally it passed, it would do some health regeneration, which was quite nice at uh, acting as a support role when turning the tide of battle with your you know, copping a bit of uh, heat from the enemies, then you can regen some health and do some damage at the same time, which is quite nice. But yeah, it's it's as you say, there there is an element of strategy in the battle, but arguably the bulk of the strategy is outside of battle because there's any number of things that you can do, uh, which includes, you know, earning gold through... Uh, sort of contracts that you take up with uh, the locals of this of this kingdom, uh, which can also raise your reputation with different guilds and that sort of thing. And just um, sorry, so, while you're on those yes. quests, I really need to mention the the writing for the quests. Like it's just a little description or like a note from the person who has asked you to complete this task, but they were delightful. It was very just like whimsical, uh, ye olde English. I don't quite know how to describe it, but it was just goofy and I really loved how just how some of them were in a totally goofy voice with no no shame. It was beautiful. And it wasn't really at odds with the tone set by the rest of the game because no. the, the, it does have a sense of humour, not in terms of, I, I would say it... it sort of plays a straight face for the majority of of the game from from what I've played but there are those sort of moments of levity so it's not uh, I, I think sometimes with a game set in grand fantasy settings and worlds and that sort of stuff they run the risk of taking themselves all too seriously mm. whereas I think Kings League 2 did strike a really nice balance between uh, you know being being earnest and, uh, you know, sort of the stakes are high and we must, uh, you know, overcome our enemies to, you know, grant an audience with the king. But also, yeah, there's some of those, uh, uh, you know, interpersonal conflicts and, as you say, those those quests where the, the just the, the little bits of colour writing are, you know, a nice, nice breath of fresh air. Yeah, earnest is a really good way of putting it, much better than goofy. So thank you for that. I think yeah, when when you talk about typical uh fantasy, it might be like, "Oh no, our camp hath been attacked by doth goblins. They must be slain." Whereas in this mm. it might be just like, "Call blimey, the camp's been attacked by goblins, governor. Oh better go get them." It's like it's very very earnest. It doesn't feel like it's making fun, but it's just like understanding that to to people who aren't familiar or super familiar with that sort of way of speaking it's a little bit unusual and strange and just kind of leaning into that for light comedic effect i really really loved but more importantly how much do i have to pay you to do the rest of the episode in that accent <laughs> uh um 
I don't think you could pay me enough to do the rest. I would offend too many people by mixing up various English dialects. I, yeah, no, off the table, my friend. <laughs> if uh, if sort of in episode analytics were a thing, you see you just see this sharp plummet after the uh, the accent starts, and all yeah, of our UK turned, listeners have just left. <laughs> we've we've turned off our uh, uh, entire listenership. So, uh, but yes, no, I thought it was delightful. But yeah, with Kings League 2, with the, the quests, uh, the so by doing those, yeah, you get gold, which you can then spend on either recruiting more units, which you can select from different sort of recruitment grounds or unlock more recruiting areas by investing gold. Or you can, and then there'll be like sort of randomly allotted um sort of units that you can recruit from that you know will be different types but they'll also have like different potential and different stats and that sort of thing so you can uh, potentially find some hidden gems where they've got a particularly high growth in like strength or they've got good potential to uh, you know be a really good defensive unit so there's a you know plenty of sort of meta gaming there as well in terms of the recruitment and trying to manage the statistics or of course you can spend the gold on items to equip to your units to buff their stats as well and then of course there's also um I cannot remember off the top of my head what the name of like the training points were, and even they might just oh, be called training points. I but, think that uh, might be it. Training points, it, it, training it might be. currency of some sort. But yeah, sort of a lot of the, the game cycle in Kings League 2 takes sort of over the place uh, of you know roughly an in-game month or a, a set period of time, and within that you're allotted a a particular amount of training points which you can invest in um, to your units to you know increase their stats and you've also got to figure out what type of training they will resonate with more strongly uh, for example i think you can uh, send them off to do swimming to raise their health or their constitution or something like that or you can get them to read books uh, but getting a you know big old barbaric type soldier to read books is going to be like oh, i hate this you know and it sort of reduces their energy while also diminishes their potential return whereas if you get a, a wizard or a uh, an archer to read books they'll be like oh this is brilliant and mm. then they'll get the the maximum out of that so yeah there's there's lots of little subsystems at play here which is is quite intriguing and as i think we've alluded to there's there's quite a bit to get our heads around uh, which is is interesting. I will will say quickly uh, about the in-game time system. So when you're not, or rather, at any time during the game, the the time uh, the days will sort of tick over at a steady rate, and you know most things take a few in-game days to complete. So you can fast forward to sort of increase that, and you know get into more of the gameplay decisions and gameplay elements but i i didn't notice unless it was staring me in the face and mm -hmm. i completely missed it but i didn't actually notice an option to pause the in-game time to give myself a little bit more uh thinking room to before making a decision uh, i've got to say neither did anything? i the the only pause i found was like the pause menu so you know where you yeah. go to check your settings or go to back to the main menu or whatever but not yeah. so much a pause to 
look at and consider options. It seemed I was making I was making fairly obvious choices because I didn't know that I had the time to experiment, really. I guess I would, yeah. it's probably something that needed to come with more familiarity with the game as well. But once yeah. I understand the systems a little bit more, I feel like I might be a bit better at both making better decisions more efficiently as well as understanding what those decisions mean. Whereas I mostly went, you know, if I'm training a rogue, I'm going to make them dance because that increases their crit chance and their dodge chance. And that's what a rogue Mm. wants. And I was never really thinking about, oh, how can I shake this up a little bit? It was just the obvious choice, which I took, which might be, might be exactly what they want you to go for. It's, you know, going through the motions can be fun, you know, for certain people and it kind of is for me sometimes i like you know a character has a role and i know what they want meant to be doing i love doing it and it's great love seeing those numbers go up but yeah if mm-hmm. you're someone who is more into experimentation then you might get something more out of it or something different out of it than me by experimenting and failing whereas i was more risk averse i guess yeah and i think there's there's also further customization options the further you go in and the more gold you earn because again as we've mentioned a little bit is that you can invest them into other upgrades or upgrade facilities to expand your training options or to again uh, be able to recruit from different areas or i'm trying to remember some of the other ones there's things like buffs for your entire troop one i remember lets your troop heal a little bit of health after every battle Uh, And I think as well as that, there were gems that you would collect. I never quite cottoned onto exactly when I collect those. It was probably part of quests or battles or something you'd win them at some point, but you would spend those gems on leveling up characters, which is different to training them in that, I guess it just raises their base stats rather than their, um, you know, a specific stat training. I think of most RPGs in the way of Pokemon. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, there's everything's like three degrees of separation from Pokemon, which is not a bad thing, mind you. Hmm. But uh, one one of the of the little subsystems I did quite appreciate in Kings League Two was I think it was the the Viscounts, um, and those were the the challenges that you could take on. Were they Viscounts or something else starting with a V? I cannot remember. But um, so you've got your, you know, your in-game month to prep for your next uh, sort of King's League bout or sort of your next tournament that you're participating in rising through the ranks to eventually participate in the King's League and potentially grant an audience with the King. But uh, other than the, the, the quests and the contracts you could take out, and other than the sort of prep you could do for the the King's League itself, you could take on little uh, little challenges, uh, which I'm pretty sure you were able to take on sort of regional Viscounts. And if you're able to beat those challenges and the units that they had there, then that would grant you like a, a permanent monthly bonus. So there was a nice incentive to take on those challenges and sort of test out your units or prep your units for those encounters because they would add, uh, say, an increased gold yield or they would give you an immediate bonus of some of those gems uh, that you can up- upgrade units with. So I, I quite uh, I quite like that element that, you know, if you're able to beat this 
some of them you know quite uh, quite decent challenges and require you know decent team composition or a, a bit of training to get them strong enough to uh, participate in these fights, which they are denoted by a star rating in terms of how difficult they are. But I did really like that. You know, if you could over overcome this difficult challenge, you'll receive a permanent bonus. You know, a permanent uh, permanent gain for this, which I thought was a really cool incentive. Yeah, definitely. Do you know if they were related to the wardens in any way? Because I I think that's what I was thinking of. Ah, I think okay. I was just referring to it by the wrong name. Because um, I only reason I think of that is because I know another yet another system this game has going on is it'll have these sort of sub objectives of off in the corner mm. of the map screen and it'll be things like defeat four wardens and you know you'll get certain bonuses for yeah. meeting those requirements. Uh, and I never worked out how to defeat wardens, what to do with that. It just kind of Maybe when the feature was introduced, I might have accidentally tapped it away and kind of ignored it accidentally, ah. and it just completely skipped my my knowledge at that point. But um, that does sound like a really cool feature that I wish I had worked out. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, you're absolutely right. I'm I'm pretty sure yeah, wardens are the correct term as opposed to viscounts. I think uh, at the moment. Um, uh, because there's so many games at the moment. I've got sort of Viscounts, Vikings, and stuff on the mind. So there's there's lots of uh, lots of different games and different uh, uh, terminologies that are stuck in my mind at the moment. But there's there's one one discussion point that I'd like to sort of sort of wrap things up with with our Kings League Two discussion. Yeah. Is that my my early impressions and the time that I spent with Kings League Two was that this particular genre, this sort of uh, unit management and sort of combat simulation game is one that I would sort of typically play the introductory stages of before, under normal circumstances, freemium elements would kick in, like purchase more gems for, you know, five bucks or, you know, uh, skip this waiting time for you know, X amount of dollars or that sort of stuff. But mm. of course, being Apple Arcade, none of those elements exist. So I couldn't, uh, you know, blame any of that on losing my interest. So I'm curious as to how you felt this sort of genre felt for you with those freemium elements stripped away and sort of more of a, a natural progression. Because I found... I found I enjoyed it more, but I still think that perhaps this genre isn't quite for me or perhaps there was an element of there are you know quite a number of subsystems that it felt like it did all of them reasonably well but none of them perfectly i'm curious as to what you think yeah i kind of resonate with your thoughts on the the many and various systems going on because that's Something I find a hallmark of your sort of freemium mobile game is it almost throws so many systems at you with, you know, currencies, paid currencies, earned currencies. You can do this to earn that and that to earn this. It all is a bit overwhelming in those games and that maybe is by design because you just give up and pay money. <laughs> but yeah, in this yeah. game, it obviously didn't give you the, you know, you need to pay money. And to to the series credit, I had a look at the past game and it was, you know, a paid in Australian dollars, two ninety nine game. And the only in-app purchases look to be characters. So you're not buying 
I mean, bottles yeah, cool. of gems or anything. So that's cool. They're, they've never been in that kind of freemium monetization model, but it definitely did having all of these currencies and subsystems going on. I found a little bit overwhelming to the point where I didn't fully understand what was going on at any point. It it was enough to follow sure. generally, you know, I win when I can do these abilities and it's generally good to upgrade these characters in this this way and how they work and stuff like that. But yeah, I think I usually resonate more with a game when I truly fully understand at least most of its underlying systems and can really make them work for me. But I, yeah, maybe it's just a matter of inexperience. I haven't played this series very much before and only played a couple of hours of Kings League 2. But maybe, uh, yeah, with what I played, it didn't resonate with me enough to to truly feel like I am super hooked on this game. I felt like yeah. the, up to the point where I've played now, I'm still trying to kind of work out what I'm supposed to do in the game more than anything mm. else. Yeah, yeah. I and I I agree that I I have enjoyed playing Kings League 2 and I think it does a lot of things really really nicely and you know, obviously they've already been supporting it with post-launch content and there's more on the way, so there's, you know, plenty of great stuff here that's, you know, has been built on and will continue to be built on. And I think that's really really great, but I Again, I, I think it, it could, for me, just be a genre thing that this particular genre isn't quite my thing or I feel like there isn't quite enough depth or that, as you say, that hook to really get me coming back for repeat play sessions again and again. Um, so I, I think it's it's well served by being on Apple Arcade because it is the sort of thing that you can dip in and out of rather easily and rather casually uh, without, you know, missing out on anything in terms of, you know, missing out on, you know, the current season, you know, battle pass, that sort of thing in terms of, uh, you know, live content and that sort of stuff, which is, oh my goodness, I get so weary with, with all that <laughs> stuff in other games. But Yeah, it can only yeah, keep so, track of so much. Absolutely. So, yeah, the, there's... A lot of stuff here that I, I do really like about King's League 2. I think the, the, the combat and the unit management system does work quite well. Uh, I really do like the setting and the the art direction and character design is really, really strong. So I think they've done a terrific job in that area. Um, but yeah, just, just not one that I feel like I will be uh, returning to sort of on repeat for an extended period of time, but certainly glad that I uh, gave it a go. Yeah, it's definitely one that I I have the best hopes for for Apple Arcade. It's the kind of game mm. where they, in the past by looks, you know, they've been trying to do the, you know, just a fairly uh, reasonable price up front and then small mm. you know, content purchases. They've never really gone down the unlimited um yeah, the unlimited money sort of route sort of way of things. It's They've been fairly honest and upfront with how it's done so far. And it's the kind of game that without Apple Arcade, a lot of mobile, not necessarily, I guess mobile players or the mobile audience generally seems to not gravitate towards because of that initial upfront price. And yeah. Apple Arcade, I really, my biggest hope for it is that that kind of game that, tries to be a premium thing without 
uh, being a constant, you know, leech or just going down the more sort of scummy ways of monetization. I really hope this kind of game can have success on Apple Arcade, either because of Apple Mm. Arcade or just because it's a fantastic game. And this is a way for people Mm. to discover it without needing to put down that upfront uh, sort of fee to try it out. So, yeah, kind of like you, it didn't super, super resonate with me, but I have nothing but pleasant hopes for this game and the people behind it. Yeah, 100%. Not that we ever uh, wish ill on anyone for that matter, course, but we, we can we can absolutely see um we can absolutely see plenty of good stuff here, especially for the right audience, which I feel like we don't fall into that category, but I certainly believe that there's there's an audience for this game who would really really dig it. So, if you're at all remotely interested in, you know, the sort of battle management and simulation sort of stuff, then by all means, download King's Lake 2 and give it a crack. 100%. I nothing to add but echo exactly what you said. <laughs> cool. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode of Mobile Arcade Club, which, of course, means it's time to announce what we'll be playing for the next episode. And... Boy, howdy, Stephen. I'm very excited about this one. Yes, we didn't even have to deliberate on this one. It was uh, decided before we even got to this uh, got to this episode. I know you're a huge mm. fan of the Reigns series. You've yes. talked it up quite a bit in the past. They've had Reigns, Reigns Game of Thrones, and I feel like a couple of other other games so far. But yeah, um, I think they had... Yeah, they had like a, a Reigns one where you played as a king, then a follow-up where you played as a queen. That's right. And then I, th- then I think it was the Game of Thrones one afterwards. And it's a series that I personally haven't delved deeply into. I've I bought a few on your recommendation and then, you know, to my great loss, never really delved greatly into them. So here's <laughs> going to be the time where I have to do it for the show. So hopefully I like it as much as you do. But yeah, Reigns Beyond from... I hope it said Nerial in the UK, Nerial maybe, and published by Devolver Digital, who seem to be all over Apple Arcade from what we've seen. Mm. Uh, and the tagline for the game is Recruit, Train, Battle. So, yeah, keen to see what's in store with this one. Absolutely. I'm probably most keen to meet that very toothy grin shark that's so prominently displayed in the promotional material because <laughs> uh, he's, he's a happy looking boy. Happy but, chappy. Uh, yeah, it looks looks really, really interesting, sort of that intergalactic, I suppose, intergalactic storytelling through Tinder mechanics. So uh, very, very intriguing. Gosh, what a what a tagline. What a what a box quote right there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Devolver, be my guest. Use it <laughs> and uh, go go for your life. Nice. Well, I guess that brings us to the end of this episode of the Apple Arcade, no, of the Mobile Arcade Club. Goodness me. So yeah, hope uh, we hope you've had a good time listening, as as good a time as we've had uh, putting the show together and getting it out to you. And yeah, hope to see you next time. See you next time. Thanks so much for listening to the show. If you like what you heard, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and share the show with friends to help more people find us. You can follow the show on Twitter at MArcadeClub. We're open to feedback or just to chat cool mobile games. You can follow us as well. Our handles are in the show notes. Thanks again, and we'll catch you next time.